Well, good morning and welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. We are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. If you're coming in and looking for a seat, there's quite a few over here on my right, your left. Come on, find a seat. And we're about to sing a song that we've been singing throughout this series in the book of Ruth. And today we find ourselves on the last Sunday and Sam is going to wrap up the book of Ruth. And we just wanted to remind you the song is titled, You Have and Always Will. It's a song of God's faithfulness. And our prayer is that you would take it with you throughout the weeks and even past the Ruth series as a memorial of God's faithfulness. And you can stream it wherever you stream music. You can buy it wherever you buy music. Um, but we'd love for you to just take that with you as well as some other songs that we've written that you can find under Fellowship Worship. Well, once you find a seat, would you stand with us and let's sing this out, this testimony of God's faithfulness together.
that together this morning. He is faithful. You can have a seat. Good morning. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us, and if you're watching online, we welcome you. Hey, if this is your first time, or if you were new, we want to invite you to go to the foyer, and in the foyer, there's a center booth, and there are people there who want to get to know you and connect with you and help you um, be able to connect you with a community group or, or anywhere or any place that you might want to serve. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yes, and you'll see this QR code on the screen. You can at any time hit that with your phone and, uh, and see everything that we're going to be talking about as well as signing a form and saying, hey, I'm new and someone will follow up with you. There's a lot uh, going on here at Fellowship and we want to make you aware of that. Um, we have some men's Bible study opportunities that kick off this week. And so if you're from Springdale or Rogers, they're kicking off this week. Springdale starts Tuesday at 6.30 at the 412 Annex, which is our office behind Red Kite Coffee in Springdale. If you're from Rogers, we'd love to see you at 6.30 on Wednesday mornings here at the Lodge, which is at the back of campus. And you don't have to sign up or register. You just show up, and there'll be other men there. They'll be walking through the book of Proverbs. And so our prayer is that we would grow as men in knowledge and wisdom of God and how to live righteous lives. Um, we wanted to also make you aware that we do not have a date yet for the Bentonville opening. Hopefully we'll have one soon, and so be uh, keeping up to date with us, and we'll let you know. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we'll still be having three services here on the Rogers campus until Bentonville opens. But we have a lot to continue to pray for just until we open and launch. Uh, there's a lot of things, um, opportunities to serve, and so Wendy's going to tell you a little bit more about opportunities. What Pat is saying is that we need you. We want you. Doesn't it feel good to be wanted and needed? There are lots of opportunities to serve, whether it's early childhood, the elementary ministry, youth. Um, we have several needs with the special needs and disabilities ministry, especially at the 930 hour. Um, the deal is, is that it's not about you. It's about the Lord. First Thessalonians 524, it says, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So my challenge to you is, would you pray about serving? Would you ask the Lord, where do you want me to serve? And there are three ways that you can sign up. You can use the QR code. You can go out in the foyer and talk to someone and fill out one of these. Or you can go on to the Fellowship app and click on the Events tab and sign up that way. This morning, we have something really special to celebrate, two baptisms, uh, a third grader and a fifth grader. We have Annabelle and Garrett, and I am super excited to get to watch them be baptized today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Wendy. Guys, I am super excited to have Annabelle and Garrett here. Garrett, jump up so everybody can see you. There he is. Okay. <laughs> so the McClures and the Hensons have been in community group for five years today, four four or five years together, and it is only natural um, that they continue to do life together, and their kids want to be baptized at the same time, and so we are so excited to do this. This is Annabelle right here. Annabelle, you say hi. Hi. <laughs> Annabelle, is it your story that you love Jesus and you want to follow him all the days of your life? Yeah. Awesome. Why don't you come around here? All right. It is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in a new life. And Garrett, step right on up here. Yeah, come on right up here. There you go. All right, and this is Garrett Henson. Garrett, is it your story? You ready? Is it your story that you love Jesus and you want to follow him all the days of your life? That it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in a new life.
Good morning, church. Today we're gonna sing about the precious blood of our Savior that washes us whiter than snow. Let's celebrate that this morning together.
before Sam comes and teaches the word, let's lift up our voice as we have sung that what could wash away our sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. As we sing an invitation for the Lord to move in this place, the fount of every blessing, as we've asked him to tune our hearts to sing his grace. Now we turn to praising his name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So may we fill this room with this praise. Would you lift your voice? Let's sing this together. Praise the Father. taught this morning that we would see you more clearly. God, that you would reveal yourself to us through your word and by your spirit. God, would you teach us what it means to behold true salvation? Salvation from the things of this broken world, from our own flesh, but also salvation unto God. God, we long for eternity and we long to be in your presence. So we thank you for your spirit now that is with us, that lives within us. But yet we long for your coming. So God, may we be a people of your word and a people of your spirit until that day comes. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Her life was in a state of misery. She was a woman who had experienced great sorrow and despair. Forced to leave her home because of famine, Naomi left Bethlehem and moved with her family to a foreign land called Moab. She left her hometown and she left her extended family to find food and fight for survival. And in the midst of those troubling times, her family established a way of life in Moab. Her sons even married Moabite wives. But any ex experience of relief in that foreign land was obscured by adversity. While in Moab, death cast its shadow over Naomi's family. Her husband and her two sons passed away. So Naomi was a widow who was navigating a famine, living in a foreign land and caring for her two widowed daughter-in-laws. She was hopeless and overwhelmed. She felt abandoned by God. She convinced herself that the Almighty had actually turned his hand against her. Eventually news came that there was food back home in Bethlehem and Naomi thought it would be best for her to return to her people. She tried to convince her son's widows to stay in Moab, to restart their lives and return to their families. But one daughter-in-law refused to take her advice. Her loyalty to Naomi and 
her family steered her away from the easiest path towards self-preservation. She said to Naomi, where you go, I go. For your people will be my people and your God, my God. It was Ruth. She was loyal. She was faithful and she held a deep love for Naomi and the Hebrew people and the God of Israel. So Naomi and Ruth, two widows with no money, no food, and little hope journeyed back to Bethlehem to live amongst their people, God's people, the nation of Israel. It had been over 10 years since Naomi's family of four fled the city of Bethlehem, which had been ravaged by famine. And even though while away, their family had grown in number to six, only two returned. Naomi and Ruth, the two widows, entered the city alone. No husbands, no sons. They were filthy, they were fatigued, they were famished from their journey. And the women of Bethlehem who once knew Naomi barely recognized her. The years in Moab had not been kind. And the journey home had almost finished her off. Naomi's outward appearance mirrored her inward state of grief. The ladies came into the city like storm-battered ships limping into the harbor. The women of Bethlehem said, can, can this be Naomi? They couldn't believe that she had returned after all these years, but they also couldn't believe how she looked. She was malnourished. She was worse for the wares, and she was only accompanied by a stranger. They wondered what happened to Naomi's husband and her sons. Naomi responded to their surprise in dramatic fashion. She confirmed her identity, but she requested a name change. She now wanted to be known as Mara, which means bitter. Life had been so unkind to her that she wanted her very name to express the state of her heart. She was bitter towards God. And she was bitter about life. And she only saw the pain and the hardships that had come her way. And she would spend the rest of her days lamenting what once was. Her identity would be wrapped up in her mourning. And what a memorable scene. The women of the city receiving Naomi, who was at the bottom of the pit, without hope and languishing in despair. But oh, how things change. You see, the famine had receded in Bethlehem. In fact, Naomi and Ruth arrived during the harvest season. Once again, there was grain in Bethlehem. The harvest workers were out in the fields. The sweet aroma of fresh bread infused the city as it came out of ovens all across town. And because of the kindness of a godly landowner, the impoverished ladies were provided with food from the harvests. Ruth was allowed to glean in the fields. She not only brought home food for them to eat, she also caught the eye of Boaz, the landowner. Now, Boaz had a few years on Ruth. But he appreciated her willingness to work. He noticed her beauty. He was captivated by her heart. He had heard of the tragic circumstances that had come upon Ruth and her mother-in-law. And he appreciated Ruth's faithful, loyal love expressed to both Naomi and the God of Israel. Ruth was a special lady, and Boaz recognized that. As he watched her work in the fields to provide for her family, he grew fond of her. And through Naomi's encouragement and Ruth's assertiveness, the Lord initiated a romance between Boaz and Ruth that would lead to marriage. By God's hand, Ruth became the wife of Boaz. What an incredible turn of events, Ruth the widow would find a second chance at love. Once again, she would experience the loving kindness and the, the faithfulness of a spouse. 
And this brought stability back into Ruth and Naomi's lives. Instead of being two widows fighting and scrapping to survive in poverty, Ruth and Naomi would be provided for by becoming a part of the family of Boaz. They would no longer be at the mercy of the people of Bethlehem. They would be at the table of Boaz. And not only did Ruth marry again, she became pregnant. The Lord provided Ruth and Boaz with a son. A son. Boaz would have an heir. The line of Boaz would continue. Now this child would have been a special blessing for Ruth. Surely she had let go of her dreams of motherhood years ago. Convincing herself that this day would never come. But it did. She gave birth to a healthy boy. She went from widow to mother. She went from years of grieving now to joy. And for Naomi, oh, Naomi, after experiencing so much loss, she once again had a baby boy to love and care for, a grandson to help ease the pain of losing her own two boys. Naomi's heart received a special balm that day that her grandson was born. What a turnaround for Naomi and Ruth. Their bitterness turned to blessing. Their calamity turned to celebration. Their hardship ending in happiness. And in a familiar scene, Naomi once again found herself surrounded by the women of Bethlehem. But this time it was different. She was no longer lamenting her bitterness, but proudly holding her grandson. This time she was not grieving, she was rejoicing for God had done great things for her. And instead of offering pity to Naomi, the women of the town of Bethlehem were offering praises to the Lord. They celebrated with Naomi because God had restored her. They recognized that Naomi was no longer empty, but was now full. She was no longer bitter, but was experiencing the sweetness of God's provision. What a powerful story of redemption and restoration. What an incredible tale of loyalty and faithfulness. What a beautiful narrative of love and healing. What a great example of God's providential hand orchestrating the events of Hebrew history. You know, as you look at the text. It seems fitting that this would end in chapter 4, verse 17. We have the perfect ending. Naomi is holding her grandson. She's surrounded by the women of Bethlehem, and they're praising God. The end, roll the credits. It would be a perfect way to end the book, from bitterness to blessing, from death to life, from desperation to celebration. But the story doesn't end here. The book of Ruth actually has a surprise ending. The story has five more verses, so put your purse back down. And open up your Bible. Lunch will wait. Look with me at the last five verses of the book of Ruth. It's a genealogy. It reads like this. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab. Amenadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Now, for the modern reader, we look at this genealogy at best with mild interest or moderate curiosity. Some of you may even wonder why it's there. In your mind, you're like, boring. But for the Hebrew reader, or for you Old Testament scholars, when you see the last word in the book of Ruth, it all comes together. Goosebumps form on your skin. Chills go up 
and down your spine. Look at the last word in the book of Ruth. Look at the last name in the genealogy. It is David, as in King David. Ruth and Boaz are the great grandparents of King David, the man after God's own heart, the one who slayed Goliath with a single stone, the second king of Israel. Well, Sam, why is that so important? Well, the Bible is a collection of stories, prophecies, letters, and poems that are telling one story. The story of the Messiah, the story of the Savior, the story of Christ, the story of Jesus. And in the context of that story, King David is a key figure. In fact, he received a very important promise that would change the course of human history, a promise that would echo throughout eternity. It was a promise about the Messiah, and it's actually found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, a promise that's so important it actually has a title. It is entitled, The Davidic Covenant. Let me read it to you. 2 Samuel 7, beginning in verse 11. It says, the Lord, note it's all caps, Yahweh. Yahweh declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you, a line of descendants. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. And I will establish, note this, his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish a throne of his kingdom for how long? This is describing the house of David, the line of David, the offspring of David, but it's also describing one descendant, a different kind of king, an eternal king, one who would be on the throne forever. It's describing the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. It's describing Jesus, who would be a son of David, who would become an eternal king. You see, the book of Ruth is not just telling a powerful story of redemptive love about Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. This book is a key part of the story. God's redemptive story. The book of Ruth is written to aid in establishing the line of Jesus, the Messiah, from the tribe of Judah, from the house of David. As Micah prophesied, out of you, Bethlehem, will come a ruler. You see, this genealogy is not boring. It's not unimportant. It's incredibly exciting and critical information. But for some reason, I don't think I've convinced you just yet. You don't believe me, do you? Okay, okay. Well, turn in your Bible, and I literally mean that if you've got it. Turn in your Bible to the first verse of the New Testament. So New Testament, first four books are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, designed to tell the story of the life and ministry of Jesus. Matthew's the leadoff batter. He goes first, so now we're looking at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. So think about Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's opening up the New Testament. He's, the, the first words are about to be written to describe Jesus and present him as the Messiah. He would want something catchy and powerful. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the first verse of the New Testament. The book introducing us to Jesus, he says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of who? David. Matthew says, hey, Israel, this is the one we have been waiting for. This is the promised son of David. This is the eternal king. Let me tell you his story. And it goes on to give a list of names. Most people skip this list. Most people don't understand the importance of this list. Most ponder why it's in the Bible. But to the Hebrew reader, for the Israelite, this was mind-blowing and incredibly exhilarating stuff. Let me highlight a few key names in the list. It begins with Abraham. Father Abraham, he had what? Many sons. They're, they're listed right there. I'm one of them, and guess what? So are you. So let's just... 
<laughs> so Abraham, Abraham, Genesis 12, blessed to be a blessing. Look how the list ends in verse 6 with who? David. The list goes on. Oh, let's look at those last three. Three lines up from the, the bottom. Look at there. Boaz and Ruth make the list. In the next verses, verses 6 to 16, it goes from David all the way to who? Jesus. The book of Ruth is not just a tale of redemptive love. It's a key piece of history telling the story of how God brought us the Messiah. It's showing God's providential hand at work in preserving the line of David and presenting Jesus. This is evidence. This is proof texting that Jesus is the Lion of Judah. He's the son of David. He's the ruler out of Bethlehem. So here's a devotional thought for you. Ruth's redemption story is our redemption story. If you know Jesus as your savior, Ruth is a part of your story. God saved Ruth. He restored her life. He redeemed her from the pit so that he could save you. He blessed Ruth and Boaz so that he could bless you. Her child born in Bethlehem, Obed to Ruth and Boaz, leads to the child born in Bethlehem, Jesus born of Mary and Joseph. Ruth's redemption story is our redemption story. See if these things ring true of you. Ruth and Naomi were found walking in darkness and despair. Isn't that where our story begins? That great line of amazing grace as I once was lost, but now I'm found. We are all lost in sin and darkness without the Redeemer. See if this rings true for you. Ruth and Naomi were redeemed by the loving kindness of another. If you know Jesus, you've been redeemed by the loving kindness of another. Just as Boaz went to the city gate and purchased the redemption of Ruth and Naomi and the family line, Jesus goes to the gates of heaven. He appeals on our behalf that we would be redeemed and restored. Our sin imputed to him, his righteousness credited to us all by his payment on the cross. See if this rings true for you. Ruth and, Ruth and Naomi were restored by a child born in Bethlehem. We are saved by the babe in the manger who will become the man on the cross. And just like Ruth and Naomi, we have to respond to the Redeemer. We have to express our faith and belief. We have to respond to the providence of God in our lives. We have to trust and obey, repent and believe. So we've heard Ruth's story. We've been reminded of Christ's story. So what's your story? Do you know the Redeemer? Have you experienced the loving, loyal kindness of Jesus? Have you been saved by the child born in Bethlehem? Have you come to a point in your life where you've moved beyond church attendance and religious participation to authentic faith in Christ? Everyday faith, sincere faith that leads to obedience. You see, for thousands of years, God has been at work writing the story of redemption. From the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden to the resurrection of Jesus at the Garden Tomb, the Lord has been moving and working to rescue and redeem those who have been ensnared by the power of sin and death, and that includes you and me. And it's no coincidence that you were here or that you were watching online this morning. You see, he is the author of your story. And just as God knew that Ruth would meet Boaz out in the fields outside of Bethlehem, he knew that on February 20th, 2022, you would sit in that seat or watch this online. 
And he desires to reveal his loving kindness to you. He desires to give you a second chance at life. He wants to restore you and redeem you and forgive you. He wants to invite you into his family and give you a seat at his table. So please hear me this morning. That man at the end of that list, at the end of that genealogy, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the Son of David, the ruler from Bethlehem. He came to this earth and he lived a perfect and sinless life. He healed the sick and granted freedom to those in bondage. He performed signs and miracles and he taught us what the kingdom of God looks like. And then he was betrayed by one of his own. Falsely accused, pronounced guilty and was crucified on a hillside outside of Jerusalem. His death was not a result of chaos reigning. It was an intentional choice. He chose to die to offer his life as a ransom for ours. He died to take on your guilt and pay your debt. He died to redeem your life from the pit of sin and death. So what do we do with a love like that? A love so deep, so amazing. What do we do with a, a sacrifice like that offered on our behalf? You see, the loving kindness, the faithful, loyal love of God calls for a response. And the Lord Jesus calls for us to look upon our sin with disgust and to look upon him in belief. To repent, to turn from our sin, and to trust and express our faith in his person and his work, his death and his resurrection, offered as payment for our sin. So this morning we wanna close with a time of prayer. Would you bow and pray with me? And if you know the Redeemer, this is an opportunity to pour out your heart before him, to fall on your face and praise and adoration for the great work he's done in your life. And if you're here today and you don't know him, it's not by coincidence. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to come to know the Redeemer. How do you do that? Repent and believe. You can repeat this prayer after me in the quiet of your heart if it expresses your authentic desire. Pray this to him, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Lord, would you forgive me for my sin and disobedience? Lord, would you come into my life and be my savior? I will follow you all the days of my life. Well, Lord Jesus, we come before you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of David, the Lion of Judah, the ruler out of Bethlehem. And we say thank you for saving our souls. Lord, thanks for writing our story of redemption. Oh, we love you, Lord, and we want to follow you always. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. There was a moment when the lights went out Death claimed its victory The King of love darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners With every curse his blood atoned 
child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all.
sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you feel that conviction and you've heard the hope that Jesus has to offer, we'd love to pray with you and for you. We have Ed and Guanica Parish over here in a prayer room. If you would love to make your way after the service, we'd love to pray with and for you this morning. If you have any other prayer needs, the prayer room is a place where you can go just to ask for prayer. And so I uh, wanted to make you aware of that this morning. Before we leave, let's look at this passage of scripture and I ask that you read this with me as our benediction together. We love because he first loved us. Let that sink in. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's extending that love to you this morning. And if you do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's still extending that love towards you this morning. And our prayer would be that he would teach us what it means to love him more and to love those around us. So let that be our prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the love that you have lavished on us and the love, grace, and mercy that you continue to extend toward us. So God, lead us in your love to those around us until you return. We look forward to that day before the throne when we'll stand in Jesus Christ complete. But until that day, would we follow your spirit? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us.